0: This podcast is part of the
1: Red Five Network. For more Red Five Network podcasts, visit redfive network.com.
2: Do you like sci-fi fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast.
0: And welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast I'm your host Daniel and join me today are Marisha
3: Hey everybody
0: And Andrew
2: What's going on?
0: And David Hello We actually have a few new news items this week um, And one of the things I thought was most interesting is Not a Not a franchise that super excites me I enjoy them they're fun for what they are, but the National Treasure franchise, <laughs> uh, of course, another Disney-owned property. We are getting a National Treasure 3. Uh, this was Woo! announced this week. Yeah, and, and also a National Treasure TV series coming to Disney+. Plus. Um, and I wish... We ever had Robbie on this show?
2: Yeah, we'll definitely have to get Robbie on to talk about this because <laughs> I don't know a bigger National Treasure fan than Robbie.
0: Yeah, there's probably not. One, and it probably doesn't take much. It's it's not the kind of series that you know gets the rabbit. It's not a. It's not a Star Wars. It's not a Star Trek. It's not Firefly. It's, it's not no
1: Indiana Jones.
0: No, no, it's not. But. It, They are fun. They're good movies. I enjoyed them both. Um, I actually kind of like the fact that they actually plug in some real history to this stuff. Um, And they're they're fun movies. So are are we excited about A National Treasure 3? And I'm really wondering, the closest thing I have to Robbie right now is Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) What, what, What Andrew thinks of it, what you expect from it.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. I'm I'm hoping that they're I mean Jerry Bruckheimer's back and, and involved in it and That's always a good start. You well, know, they wrote a third script years ago right after the second movie came out and it went into pre-production hell and and vanished and supposedly the script was just shelved and apparently they're actually throwing that one out now and rewriting a new script. Yeah, so
0: um, so we know Nicholas Cage is coming back. Um, I am interested. Yeah, I am interested though in the rest of the cast coming back
3: because Riley was one we- of the best things about that show. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Um, hang on a second. Let me let me see something. I just want to, before we get too far here, and we sound like, and I sound like, too big of an idiot, because I have not seen anything confirmed for the rest of the cast. I just want to check because this—I mean, this just dropped a few hours before we started recording, so everybody kind of excuses a little bit.
2: I mean, as far as I'm aware, there are no confirmations of anybody coming. I mean, I, as far as I know, there's. I that's what I'm, I'm
0: looking.
1: I'm not
2: even sure there's a hundred percent confirmation of Nicolas Cage coming back. Although I don't think you do this if Nicolas Cage isn't coming back.
1: Without Nicolas yeah. Cage, it is a national treasure.
0: Right, and he's he's good in it. Like that character is is really good, and is for lack of a better term, is very Nicolas Cage. Yes, like mm-hmm. it, it's, he's it, you can't do that movie without him. You would assume. They're not going to greenlight a third movie without the idea that he's coming back. Mm -hmm. But I like the rest of the cast. Justin Bartha to me, as uh, Riley, as Marisha mentioned, but Bartha's an actor to me that's never gotten enough credit or enough roles. And when he is in something, he's enjoyable in it. But just never, I mean, he's he's the friend who disappears at the beginning of every Hangover movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's he's one of the wolf pack, but he's only in there for about ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it kinda of drives me nuts as I enjoy him when he is in something. I'd like to see him come back. I'd like to see John Void come back. So I, I am actually I guess I'm more excited for that movie than I thought I was. Oh, but you know, I, I hope dude well, Of course I would expect them to recast for the T V series. The T
2: V series, the only thing that they really said in the Collider interview was that it will be a much younger cast,
0: hmm. right? Which makes sense. Yeah, actually, that's what you would expect.
2: Right.
1: Um, I think I'd love to see like a younger cast, but of the same characters. You know what I mean? Like, um,
0: uh, I we'll kind of get a reimagining of what's going on. I mean, that's that's sort of exactly what I would expect
1: but I wanted to be like literally the same characters and just have some actor just, just to see what actor could come in and pull off a young Nicholas cage.
3: Yeah. Right. You know, that's what uh, I want to
1: see. But I uh, know, I think it's going to be like a, like a almost like a reboot thing. I could definitely imagine the series being like, let's cast these young hip actors to come be adventurers. And then let's spin it off into a movie. Cause everything's about franchises, right? They're thinking, how can we yeah. twist this into another six movie deal?
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and for that, you need these young
0: actors, right? But that also gets a little scary. And I know it's not the same thing adapting a movie to television as whatever they remade the MacGyver TV series. I was a huge MacGyver fan growing up, and when they announced that series and they announced Lucas Teal, I was excited. I like Lucas Teal. He's in the X Men franchise as Havoc. Enjoy him. As an actor, also, I thought he could do a good job. But like David pointed out, who can pull off young Nick Cage? As big a fan of Lucas Till as I am, he can. He does not pull off young Richard Dean Anderson. Let's it's get Nick not- Cage with the young Nick Fury technology. <laughs>
3: okay. Hey, yeah. now that sounds like a perfect solution. Actually, just let us Cage- just get Nick
2: Cage to play young as Nick-
1: he is now, but to- just pretending to be younger.
2: Yeah. I mean. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: I think I'm okay now. Y'all, y'all still there? We're still here. <laughs> okay. So earlier this week, for a, just a couple of hours, New Mutants was available for pre-order on Amazon Prime. I don't know if y'all saw this or not.
1: Did not see that.
0: Um. Did you get it? I can't hear you, David. Did you get it? No, I didn't get it. And it's no longer available for pre-order. I'll just buy it when I know it's available. I'm not worried about pre-ordering anything. <coughs> Dad gummit. Okay. <clears throat> can y'all still hear me?
2: Yeah, yeah, I can hear you.
0: You hear David?
2: Yeah. Not Hello. not at the moment.
0: David, Hello? say something. Hello?
2: Yeah, I can, I can hear you
0: okay all right i'm sorry so anyway earlier this week new mutants was available for pre-order on amazon prime um and of course that was kind of exciting but also kind of upsetting because i really want to see that movie in theaters um because it sort of made you think it wasn't going to come to theaters but it was only available for a couple hours and it dropped off. I don't know if y'all saw that or not. I didn't,
2: but I would assume that means that they forgot to pull the release for the original date when it didn't come out when it was supposed to.
0: Yeah. And that is possible, but also this movie was supposed to be in theaters in April. So I don't think it would be available for pre-order now. I
2: don't know, man, those pre-order dates for digital keep moving up and up and up. Right, because
1: it's only pre order. So yeah. I could imagine that it,
0: being that it hard is, hard. but it has it has spawned some uh speculation that we're going to skip a theatrical release for this movie and just go straight to VOD. Video I on demand. Be surprised. Yeah, and that was really a theory before they announced the April release date. Um that maybe Disney, since they had acquired it from Fox, would just drop it in VOD. So, uh, it's got me curious too. I'm not sure if I want that, because I do kind of want to see that movie in theaters. Um, Andrew kind of already spilled the beans on what he probably thinks. I don't guess you expect it to drop on VOD anytime soon. That's really what you expect to happen, is that was the original pre-order date.
2: Uh, that would be my first guess is that that was, that, that, that it was, I mean, I can't imagine that when it's time to, to put up pre-orders that someone goes in and manually does that. I'm sure that stuff is set months ahead of time in a system.
1: Right.
3: I guess the question
1: is now, um, especially for for Daniel because he's the one who's really excited for the movie. Would you rather get it as soon as possible on VOD or would you rather wait months and months just to see it in theaters?
0: Well, I've waited for it for three years. So, (laughs) um, I don't know. I'm tired of waiting on it, but... At this point, I don't think we're ever getting a direct sequel to it either way. So mm-hmm. I don't really have to worry about, let's get it dropped, let's get buzz about it, let's get it to generate some money, and let's get our sequel greenlit. That's never going to happen either way. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as I think I would really like to see it in theaters, I th- also think I'm just ready just to see it. Let's just get it out there. Uh, You know, a lot of things... Harley Quinn had a very short run in theaters due to the COVID-19. So did Sonic the Hedgehog, things like that. Onward, several movies I've watched on video on demand while the quarantine's been going on didn't really get their theatrical run that they were supposed to. So you know, I uh, bet more, and, more of a thing. and it's actually, we didn't get to talk about last week, but we should have that AMC theaters Ooh. is saying they're going to drop from carrying universal pictures movies. <laughs> Cause universal is seeing the benefit to VOD. And they're talking about releasing more of their films to VOD earlier than the agreement they have with theaters right well, now that they yeah. think that they can make money doing that. Um, at, but at a situation like this, with a movie that we've been waiting this long for, um, and something that missed its theatrical run, why not just go ahead and release it? Right. And we've started with before, too. It's not something Disney didn't spend any money to make. I know Andrews made the point that technically they paid for it when they bought Fox. Well, yeah, but the fact that New Mutants was in that catalog of films did not up the price. <laughs> did not up the price of Fox right. Studios one bit.
2: But this, so this no, really they did
0: not pay for this. It's free money either way. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any detriment to releasing it. Drop to... it on
1: Hulu, man. man. Just
0: drop it on Hulu. No, they're not going to do that. But it would be available on Vudu, on Amazon Prime, and. I but, think it's know. I
1: think it's only a matter of time before we see some Fox X-Men movies showing up on on just like Hulu. They're not going to put on Disney Plus. That's just a that's just a random theory. You know with a movie like like New Mutants, I really do think that it could actually be pretty beneficial for them just to go straight to video because especially with everything going on right now, I would I would bet that more people are going to see this movie on video than they would on th- in theaters. People yep, are more likely to be here and to get this
0: movie on on video than they would be to go that's to see it. Yeah. It really might be the kind of movie that if we weren't on stay at home orders, people have other things to go do. They may not want to go see New Mutants. But the fact that there's nothing else to do may motivate some of these borderline people to actually go ahead and buy it. That's mm-hmm. that's a valid point. Andrew, you were about to say something about
1: uh
2: Oh I was just going AMC. back. This is kind of really our Goes back to our original point about this movie that we talked about a few weeks ago. If because we have had some conversations about whether or not Disney had any interest in this movie becoming part of the MCU. And right. you know, if 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 they're if it's going to be part of the MCU, they're not gonna go straight to VOD with it. That's true. Mm. Yeah.
0: Right. that's true but I, I also don't think it will ever be a i don't think it's hard to retroactively say yeah it was set in the mcu and that doesn't mean you have to have any of the major plot points of it ever go forward
1: mm-hmm. yeah you know in your in your headcanon you can say it's in the head headcanon is a powerful tool don't uh mm-hmm. don't don't forget headcanon um
2: I mean, if you're talking headcanon, I mean, Jim Carrey's The Mask can be part of the Avengers.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a powerful oh, tool, man. We're, we're really...
0: Come on, guys. He's
1: going to be in Space Jam.
0: That's true. He's going
1: to be part of the Space Jam cinematic universe. Along with the Witch of the West and Joker. <laughs> that's news. Um, <laughs> um, oh, man. What was I going to say? Um, you know, actually you were talking about like, you don't think this is going to get a sequel. Stranger things have happened, man. You know, I, I think I could see this. I know I've been like down on this movie sometimes just to mess with you, but like I could easily see this going straight to video where people wouldn't really watch it in theaters, but it goes to video. It gets a lot of traction becomes this like cult hit, you know? And right. all of a sudden in like five years, You got someone like Kevin Feige, who's just a cool dude. Like Kevin Feige would just do things that are cool. We've seen that. I could totally see him being like, you know what? Let's make a new mutant sequel. Well, just just for the hell of it.
2: The bottom line is, if it makes money, they'll they'll make another one.
0: Um, Right, exactly.
1: And and there's no
0: to use that property again if they think it can.
2: Right, Make them a dollar. And they can do do that and include it into the MCU. They could, I mean, depending on what this one is and what they plan to do with mutants down the road, they can still backdoor this in to the MCU later. They talked about doing that with Blade for several years.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. But I I just really don't ever expect a sequel to it. I still stand by that.
2: I think you're more likely to get a reboot. Farther and farther
0: away. Yeah, we're getting farther and farther away from when this film was actually shot, um, all these actors are going to move on. The MCU does a good job of locking down their actors for five, six film (laughs) deals. None of that was done here. These actors are going to, and not that any of them are old, they're all young. They're all young actors. These are young characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But at some point, you know, 21 becomes pretty soon here, 26. and Because this movie was filmed several years ago now. People forget. Mm -hmm. And then 26 becomes 30. And can you play the same character again Yeah. for a story that's supposed to pick up just shortly after the first movie you filmed? Right. So it gets harder and harder. Not to mention these are very, these are talented, in-demand, Actors, they're going to move on, they're (laughs) going to have scheduling conflicts if you don't go ahead and decide you're going to do something with it.
3: Well, it's like what happened with Narnia, they
0: really needed to go ahead and get it released. If that was ever going to be a possibility, it needed to be released as soon as possible. And I think we're getting farther and farther away from that possibility. It it is what it is. And at this point, I will take that movie, however, I can get it. So, to answer David's direct question before, what I'd rather is go ahead and get it now on demand or wait for it in the theaters I, at this point I think I'm okay just having it released on demand so um, you know
1: just this a thought that popped in my head uh, over a decade ago Brandon Ralph made Superman Returns mm-hmm. and it never got touched but last year that man put on a super suit again yep. yeah so ever since I saw that I think anything is possible. I could you you never know. And it's clear it is clear that Fox was like going to make a this was this was Fox's next franchise for mm-hmm. the mutants I think. I think it was you know like you said casting those younger those younger actors. And so anything's possible. I know I've been down with it joking on it. I wouldn't, like, cry a river if it was in the MCU, especially if it's good. And I think anything's possible. It could be a thing where in 10 years they make a TV show called The New Mutants where these guys show up. Like, anything is possible. You literally never know what's going to happen now. Like I said, they, they have the freaking Flash from the 90s show up and, 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 and this and, like, continue his story in the last thing with, with, with that. So, like, you never know what's going to happen. Who knows Firefly might get revived. You never know what's going to happen.
3: Well, you know, um on that note, um Jewel State has been lobbying for a while to be uh, uh the new captain of the of the Serenity right. and 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 have yep. her own show. So, yeah, I
0: would watch that. I
3: oh, yeah. would, watch, I would that. watch it. A lot of people would watch that.
1: I didn't know that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah. I would watch that. I mean, it it could be really bad, but I would watch it because it's, <laughs> I, it's Kaylee.
2: I, I think there's a lot of story left to tell in the Firefly universe. I mean, even not if we didn't involve any of the main characters. And I think if it's ever going to come back, that's how it's going to come back. But, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, um, oh, there was something else I was going to say about the new mutants, but I remember what it was. So we can,
3: uh, just.
1: <laughs> Marisha, you got any thoughts on the new mutants?
3: I mean, not particularly. It's not X Men has never really been my jam. Um, I've, you know, I've seen and enjoyed the, the, movies. the movies, but I didn't like see them when they first came out or anything. I wasn't really invested in them at the time, um, right. and I actually didn't see the last couple. I watched Apocalypse. Like post-release, the last one that I was really, really stoked about was, um let's see, Days of Future Past, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Days yeah, of Future Past good. is probably the best one.
3: Nah, Logan, dude,
0: it's
1: Logan. You got
3: to see Logan. Okay, Logan was Logan was great. That's true. I'll, I'll give you that. But Logan was kind of different than the rest Logan, of the X Men really movies. Days
1: of Future Past too. Days of Future Past is probably the best like team X Men movie mm-hmm. about like the team of X Men. Yeah.
2: Um I mean if you're th- if you're just talking like objectively good movie, I, I think Luke- Logan has to be at your top.
0: Anyway. <laughs> Star Wars, because we hadn't made the fourth this week. Made the fourth <laughs> hmm So along with that we got the Clone Wars finale and also Disney Gallery, uh, which is a documentary series. Um on Disney plus, uh, has started releasing episodes about the Mandalorian. The first one's about the directors. And I want to get to that, but I want to start with the Clone Wars finale. And I know we have a separate Star Wars show, um, but I don't think it hurts to touch on it a little bit here. We're have more detail. Yeah, we can touch on it on a little
2: bit here. The, it's run the run other down. show, the The other show will come out first. Um, mm-hmm. so, but it may be a little bit of a repeat, but it's definitely worth mentioning. It's a big moment.
3: It's so good.
0: I don't know detail about it, but I thought we should mention it. Um, it and I we talk up. Marisha it... because it ties it ties so much into Revenge of the Sith, and mm. we know that Marisha's number one Star Wars movie. And even though she's wrong, we'll give it to her. So I didn't I say objectively
3: best. Piece. I did not say objectively best Star Wars movie ever made. I just said my favorite.
0: That's what I, I said.
3: Yeah, so I'm not wrong. I just, I just feel differently. I'm allowed to have feelings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you miss no. the part
3: where I'm female? Right? Feelings, Even it says. <laughs> if you
1: get to think that Batman should shoot people, she gets to think
0: that. I did not say Batman should <laughs> shoot people. That's not what I said. Marisha, what did you think of the Star Wars Clone Wars finale?
3: Oh, my gosh. It was. Okay, so we may or may not have stayed up and watched it when it dropped at midnight and then pretended <laughs> like we were seeing it the fir- for the first time the next morning <laughs> when the kids got up.
0: Yeah, because I was up at one thirty in the morning watching it myself.
3: Uh-huh. It was. I mean, the, the last season of the Clone Wars has just been so good. And I feel like particularly the this last arc, this last four episodes, they just upped the ante with every single episode. And man, was that finale incredible.
2: Yeah. I want to see the last four episodes in the theater.
3: So somebody has done like a, a supercut of Revenge of the Sith. Like chronologically with the Clone Wars, like and so and so now I'm totally going to spend four and a half hours of my life watching that because you know it just I it, might also it should happen.
0: actually because I I have said part of what I enjoyed about the last few episodes of this was that it actually added something to Revenge of the Sith.
3: It did, yeah, and you know I feel like I mean Revenge of the Sith is is such a tragic story for for Anakin Skywalker and for for Padme, you know, and that's kind of what we focus on in the movies. But it is also such a huge tragedy for so many people. You know, and in the um in the movie, you know, you kind of see you have like these what, 30 seconds worth of clones shooting their Jedi, and then it just kind of, like, moves on. But this really, really focuses in on the tragedy of, I mean, this daggum garrison has Ahsoka's face markings painted on their helmets, because loyalty is important to a clone. They love her. They love her, and... So and as soon as that that switch flips in their heads, the only goal they have in life is to kill her. And that is heartbreaking.
1: It's a punch in the gut, man. It really is. It really it is. is.
0: And, and that was always what I wanted to see. Was But I also wanted to get more of the emotional impact of what it actually did to the clones, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know? (laughs) Right. And and we get that opportunity with Rex because Ahsoka is able to disable his chip. Right. But I almost wish we'd kind of gotten more of it. Like he almost doesn't seem upset enough and he's, he's okay with fighting his way through his brothers to save him and Ahsoka all of a sudden. Like that was the only thing that didn't quite feel right to me
2: yeah but i mean these are people that are genetically engineered to not be emotional overly I, emotional I so i mean uh, and it yeah. clearly hurt him i i did feel like you might have got more of a kick more more of a punch in the gut with uh with echo in the bad batch mm. series yeah series where you know where he's really struggling after they they rescue him
0: and, you know, we, we had an opportunity there with Rex to get more of a punch. And I know we were trying to go ahead and get through and we were focusing on the action. And, uh, but it, it's like Marisha said, you they've got Ahsoka's face on their helmets. Mm-hmm. Like, and we can't, we don't even, I guess also though, that's part of the tragedy of it is that we don't even get the moment to sort of, mourn for them at all Mm -hmm. you know I guess that's part of the tragedy of it as well Uh, I mean she and Rex go back and bury them at the end um, and we just kind of see the aftermath of that but there wasn't a whole lot of reflection on what Order 66 the effect it had on them or the people around them who had grown to think of them as brothers and comrades and you know, Obi-Wan never dwells on the fact that Cody shot him in the back.
3: And I think we may actually see, whenever we get an Obi-Wan series, I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the things we see him dealing with. And
0: I, and I hope we do. I hope we do. But also, through the, throughout the prequels, the clones were never anything more than a plot device. We've right. talked about that on this show before. We've talked about it on Coruscant Radio Underground before. They were a plot device for episodes two and three. That was it. It took... Clone Wars and Rebels to actually make them legit, well-rounded characters before they get any focus. It's so, yeah, I don't don't know what else to say.
3: And hats off, man, to D. Bradley Baker for his performance of 70 different characters with identical Mm -hmm. voices (laughs) and different personalities. I mean, Wow. That's pretty impressive.
0: No, he definitely did a, an excellent job throughout that entire series, not just this not just this season, which has been my favorite. You know, I I said and I still say it, even though it's I mean it's only been a week later. It's not like I've had to dwell on it for a very long time. But episode eight of this last season of Clone Wars, I think, is the single best episode of Star Wars television we've ever gotten.
3: Yeah, I agree.
0: But You know, we me and Andrew kind of had a little text argument the other night, and I said somebody, I just think my ideas are better than Dave (laughs) Filoni's, but uh, hats off to Dave Filoni, and he he is Mm -hmm. the he is the creative successor to George Lucas. Andrew's called him that for years, Mm -hmm. and he's right. It was a he definitely these two series, Clone Wars and Rebels. Now that Clone Wars is over, finally. We had to wait on it, and it was worth the wait.
3: It was indeed.
0: They they added something to Star Wars lore. They added very important pieces to Star Wars lore, and and I'm just, I think he did an amazing job. So what's next for Dave Filoni now that uh, now that this is well,
2: done? Well, it was anyway,
0: David, because that's where I was going next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the Disney Gallery series, I was talking about. Faloney, of course, was involved as one of the executive producers for Mandalorian, along with John Favreau, and um, directed some episodes of that series as well.
2: And he's back for next season as a director as well.
0: Correct. Um, So the first episode of this documentary series was about the directors. Mm -hmm. And I know Andrew was pretty excited for that to drop. And I know you really enjoyed the first episode, especially the Dave Filoni stuff. So,
2: Yeah. I mean, like if you're not already a Dave Filoni fan, like after watching that episode of that doc and realizing how much of an impact he had on that, on the way the Mandalorian worked out, like how can you still not be a Dave Filoni fan after watching that?
3: And he's so nice.
2: Yeah. Um it, But it's, You know, there are still people out there that that say, well, Dave Filoni can't write. You know, it's like, you're a crazy person. (laughs) It's like the last four (laughs) episodes of The Clone Wars, like, absolutely validate what I've been saying about him for years. The
3: last three minutes of The Clone Wars completely validate that Dave Filoni can write without even any dialogue.
2: Well, he's a visual (laughs) storyteller. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that he actually started off as an artist.
3: On yeah. Last Airbender, of all things. No, I he remember. started
2: off on King of the Hill. On
3: well, King of the right. Hill. On King of
0: the Hill, yeah. Yeah, he said that. He, he, I, I laughed out loud when he said it. When he said that uh, drawing four Texans drinking beer by a fence is a lot harder to draw than you think. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, but then Last Airbender, which is just phenomenal. That. David knows. I don't know if I've ever talked to Andrew or Marisha about it. What a big fan of Avatar The Last Airbender mm-hmm. I am. And what a disappointment the M. Night Shyamalan movie is. Mm-hmm. But that show is... It, it's one of the best animated series ever made.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It
0: is. And... I knew he had started there. Like, I had heard before that's where he got George Lucas's attention. I'd never heard the story about his interview with George or how he got the job. And he thought it was a practical joke when the lady called him. And it was a fantastic story.
3: Yeah, that was pretty epic.
0: But, um, it, you know, they did. All the other directors talked about having John and Dave there to sort of keep them in check. Right. Because um, they were executive producers of the show. Uh So, you know, there there is a lot of influence to just sort of being the, one of the creative guides mm-hmm. to Star Wars at this point, which is what Dave is. And I think you have to, after, you know, Favreau's involvement with Mandalore, you kind of got to count Favreau there, too. Yeah. And and he has mm-hmm. a, a handle on Star Wars history as well. Um
2: Right. I was talking to my dad about that um yesterday, actually, that... When you put Filoni and Favreau together, what they really did was recreated the way that Lucasfilm made movies in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had this guy who understood the story and was driving the story forward and making sure all the pieces were right, and then you had the collaboration that was instigated by John Favreau as well as the George Lucas had you know kind of begrudged. The Force Awakens for not pushing filmmaking forward, but that's who Jon Favreau is. Jon Favreau is pushing filmmaking forward as much or more than anybody over the last ten years.
3: Yeah,
2: Right. And so, you kind of recreated with them, with those two, along with these directors that they pulled in who would work so closely with them, really kind of recreated the magic of 1977 Lucasfilm.
0: Yeah. Right. And and I know we'll learn more about it as this series goes on. But just having them focus on the directing in, in this first episode, I really enjoyed the idea that the whole series kind of became collaborative amongst the four directors and John Favreau because mm-hmm. they all had each other there all the time to bounce things off of. Right. And that just... I, I don't understand why you wouldn't do it that way. And you never think about it until they said it and you go, you know what, that just sounds like that was an amazing freaking place to work for a creator. Right. You know. Right. To have and, and then they all had different talents. And Favreau pointed that out in the in the interviews, in the in the in the show, that, you know, he wanted to bring smart people together. He handpicked these directors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he wanted to – I enjoy hiring smart people, and you all have different backgrounds and different talents, but the fact that, you know, I think he actually said, I enjoy hiring smart people who enjoy the creative process, and that's why you all clicked. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing. He hired the right people to work mm-hmm. together, and it shows in the show.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
0: it absolutely – a lot of series, and most series use multiple directors. Directors sometimes from episode to episode can feel a little disjointed. That show never feels disjointed. Nope. Mm-hmm. It absolutely flows like it was one creative voice the whole time. Yeah. I love, it's
1: no secret, I love Jon Favreau. And I will say, like, without a doubt, that he is the absolute king of collaboration. Like, everything mm-hmm. that he does. He puts together the first thing he does is puts together a a strong, competent team to help him do it, and it shows in everything he does. And yeah, I love John Faber. just what a great guy, mm-hmm. yeah. one of my favorite people to ever exist.
0: Yeah, and and David, I don't expect you've watched uh, this Disney Gallery series yet. No, but but you 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 should go watch it. You would enjoy it, and I think I, you're going to enjoy the rest of the series. I'm sure we're going to get. More and more into some John Favreau love.
3: Mm. Can we just so. get
0: like John Favreau the series? Oh gosh.
1: Have you have you not watched
3: his cooking show? I have watched his cooking show.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. Chef is my favorite Chef movie. Chef is his
2: favorite movie. Chef is an awesome movie. Yeah. Chef mm-hmm.
1: is so good. I have it on DVD. I don't need to have it on DVD. It's on streaming services. I have it on DVD. Um, I love chef it's such a great movie because it's about cooking but also it's about a father and a son and family mm-hmm. and and love and growth and change it's john Fabro's amazing
3: yeah
1: <laughs> anyway star wars
2: well as far as uh you know him collaborating I, I want did want to see what y'all thought um about the two big names that were brought on to direct episodes uh, for this first season two, I mean the episodes are already done, but they directed episodes for season two uh, in Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed. Wow!
0: That's yeah, I was—I
1: <laughs> didn't know that.
0: Excited for both of those. The one that really like Robert Rodriguez really like. Oh. Yeah. Oh heck, Mandalorian's a yeah, man. Western. He's baby. got. I want do what? Mandalorian. Mandalorian's a Western. I, I understand that. But okay. Robert Rodriguez, first of all, is really creative. Mm-hmm. Really unique possible,
1: according to the yep. staff show.
0: Really unique voice. So definitely something that would be interesting, but Robert Rodriguez is also kind of hit and miss. Like
2: Yeah, but you're not talking Robert Rodriguez working totally on his own here. That that's kind of the whole if, thing.
0: Uh, if I get if I get Desperado, Robert Rodriguez, I'm good.
1: Uh, I, I don't. Yeah. What about Spy Kids, Robert Rodriguez? I, I, I love Spy kids. kids. It's a
0: bad movie for what it was. He, he, he made the movie. <laughs> oh, no, to try to I
1: mean,
0: I love Spy movie, Kids. kids <laughs> that's what love it Spike. is. <laughs> I think we've yeah. talked about
1: Spy Kids on this show <laughs> a, a couple times. Before. I
3: really like. I mean, I was a teenager <clears throat> when Spy Kids came out. I was really too old to go see Spy Kids, but I sure enough did. Never I liked
1: too it. to go see
3: Spy Kids. It wasn't like I went with <laughs> younger children, like right. 16-year-old me and my sister and my dad went to see Spy Kids.
1: <laughs> That's funny. That's great. I'm a big fan of Robert Rodriguez, and a big part of that is actually when well, we were just talking about The Chef Show, he was on that. Mm-hmm. I love The show. If you haven't seen it, The Chef Show, oh, it's good. Now it seems irrelevant, but I promise no, it it's, is. No, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and, it, and, and what's great about it is, first of all, it got me into cooking. I cook a lot now. Um, but also he goes and he talks to different director buddies like Robert Rodriguez in an episode. He talks to, uh, actor, but Robert Downey Jr. Is in an episode, Tom Holland. Like he, mm-hmm. he has all these connections and he uses them. And, and even if you don't give a crap about cooking, it's a great interview show. Mm-hmm. Um, to learn a lot about John and all of the friends that he has in this little industry. And, um, and it's great in that way to really learn a lot about people. There's a great Gwyneth Paltrow episode where it turns out she didn't know that she was in Spider-Man.
3: Right. That was epic. <laughs> right. Oh, I was in he that? Forgot. Really? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> she just knows they told her to show up on set and uh-huh. she hit her marks and she said her lines and she was Gwyneth Paltrow and she went home.
3: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. you know the, the only reason yeah. she was ever Pepper Potts in the first place is because Jon Favreau did Iron Man. The only reason Robert Downey Jr. got to be Iron Man is because of Jon Favreau. So, if, if you don't love Jon Favreau, for whatever reason, get, get going, get figure it out. You, you need to start. I thought
0: we moved on from Jon Favreau. We were talking about the directors for season two.
1: That Jon Favreau got to come help.
0: Right. So so Robert Rodriguez there is the wild card to me. I think Peyton Reed's a home run. I have every bit of confidence, and that one's – that 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 that's that almost seems like a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, but speaking of wild cards. When you think about the directors they have for season one, Peyton Reed feels like he fits in that
3: group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that's, wild card directors, though. I mean, Taika Waititi is a really well, different kind of, sto- a really distinct kind of storyteller.
0: Very distinct. But that's the thing is with Taika, you know what you're going to get.
3: And I love it.
0: I, I do, too. Absolutely love it. So It doesn't make yeah, so I mean, much as a, of a wild card because he's going to give, he's gonna give you what consistent. he's going to give you. And it's going to be quite consistent. Thank you. Right. very consistent
1: um, I, I I love the directors for all this like season one like some of the best directors in the world yeah. are directing episodes of this show yep. and that's mm-hmm. incredible and yeah.
0: that's just and we're what I was we talking well, about earlier that but there the, are... the, 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 when, when they announced the directors for season one there were a couple of them there made a few of us nervous mm-hmm. there were Bryce, but also there were people Bryce like Bryce Dallas Howard Bryce... had never directed before Bryce Dallas Howard had never directed before you I didn't know, realize uh, that. No, Dave Filoni had never directed live action. And Dave actually talks about that in this documentary, that having John Favreau there as a mentor for him helped. Mm-hmm. Like he was appreciative of that.
1: Yeah, you know, and I would love to see what he does next in live action because of that. I'd love for him to get to do some other stuff. That would be great.
0: Right, um, but like I said, the, a few of them made a couple of us nervous, and mm-hmm. they made it work. And I was so impressed with Bryce Toss Howard. I watched mm-hmm. her episode. I watched her episode again today, mm-hmm. and like Fafner says, he said we threw you in the deep end, of the pool. They said we all read that episode and said, give that to the new kid because that's going to be hard. Like, Which episode? On purpose. <laughs> the uh, the the episode where he met Car Doon, where they had to defend the village from the. Orcs. oh that's, yeah that thought, episode's great that episode feels so lord of the
3: rings to me uh-huh. <laughs> from the the pug dog orcs mm-hmm. that's funny.
1: that mm-hmm. is that's funny yeah it's I'm defending a village from orcs that's great, great. yeah i love price dallas howard i think she was great i just think that like some of like but the, they, like, they the highest just... quality names for a show like mm-hmm. these are these are top tier film directors that are Coming like, like Tico Iatiti could do anything that he wants right now, right? Like, he's yep. the top of the world, and I think that's yep. a great thing. Is that like what we were talking about earlier, where uh, that Marisha specifically pointed out that there are people who want to work on these on these things. That the, there are people who want to make these movies.
0: There are talented I, people who want to make these movies. Exactly, and, you're and I
1: love that Disney is doing that. They're letting that happen, mm-hmm. and it and and it shows. It makes great. It, it makes great tv when you just put people who love because they're like dave filoni is probably the biggest star wars fan in the world right from like, oh. everything i know about him yeah mm-hmm. and and you put him in charge of it and, and it shows the the yeah. pure love mm-hmm. for star wars shows through everything that he does and i i just i love seeing that it makes me so happy like yeah. genuinely yeah. Like, so wholesome
3: but yeah, um, speaking of directors, did y'all see that Taika Waititi got um, picked up to direct like a feature film, a feature like Star Wars movie?
0: Yes. Yes.
3: So I kind of wonder
0: I h- to what wonder extent what
3: do you think that directing Ready. an episode of The Mandalorian Was
0: My thing, no, I just coughed. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. Okay.
3: To what extent do you think that episode director for the Mandalorian is going to be a proving ground for gets a new star Wars series.
0: Well, I don't know that it will be, or really even that it should be. Um, I think it will help with certain directors. I think in the case of Taika Waititi, it shouldn't even have needed to be a thing. Like if you couldn't watch Taika Waititi's movies before, and especially Thor Ragnarok, and go. This guy can handle a Star Wars film, and go get the job based on that. Like I think they could have based on that. Um, and I, you know I think his involvement in Mandalorian helped, but I don't think it was necessary to it. Yeah. Um, in the future, do I think we need to use Mandalorian as a proving ground for getting a feature film? No, I don't. I don't want that being a prerequisite for it. Hire, like we've said all episode night, just hire talented people. Mm -hmm. who will treat it with respect. All right. You know, do I think Bryce Dallas Howard, as much as I loved her episode, do I think we take that and go, hey, she did a great episode of Mandalorian, let's give her a movie. Do I think we give her a Star Wars movie based just on one episode of Mandalorian? No, I don't.
3: But I think it it might be a good, (laughs) because it's not just can you make a good movie, but can you play ball? Can you... Yeah, but
2: see, I get all that, but it's like how much... Are the big wigs that Lucasfilm really? I mean, when you're making a movie, you got to play ball with the with the big wigs over in the the office. Like, I don't know how much they're making Filoni and Favreau deal with anybody. Can we
3: just make Filoni and Favreau the new heads of Lucasfilm? I yes, mean, I'm I mean just that saying, would be
2: please. ideal. The,
3: cre- the creative my- heads, at least, they don't have to be the person crunching the numbers or whatever. But mm-hmm. for Dang. the love of all that is good. i agree from what i know about john favreau i know that he
1: had at least from my understanding that he has had a pretty good relation with the big wigs over at um at least at disney Mm -hmm. which you know of course owns lucasfilm so i I, from my understanding he's that john favreau himself has the ear of a few of those
0: kind of people so john favreau can do anything he wants yeah. for Disney. All he's got to do. But is-
1: so what I'm saying is, I think that what's really the testing ground. I think the only reason the Mandalorian might be a testing ground is to prove yourself to Jon Favreau. Because the- I think if anybody has the influence to make that happen, it would be Jon Favreau saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. this guy, this guy's the real deal. This is someone you you trust me. I trust him. Play ball with him. Like I could see him being the real middleman for that sort of
0: thing. Well, you know what I'm saying. I think- Maybe that will happen. I don't think it's going to be a systematic thing. Yeah, I, I, don't agree. Think I don't think, think it's going to go. Be- before we give this guy a movie, you know, before we give Martin Scorsese his own <laughs> Star Wars movie, let's make him direct an episode of Mandalorian first and make sure he knows what he's doing. No, because Taika right. Waititi is an outlier. Taika did not need Mandalorian success to prove he earned a Star Wars movie. If they had announced two years ago Taika is going to direct a Star Wars movie, we'd be all be over the moon. We didn't need Mandalorian to prove to us he knew what he was doing. So directly to Marisha's point, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think success on Mandalorian is going to have a lot to do with getting consideration for a film. Uh, because I think Tyka's the outlier. Because I think Tyka had done enough throughout his career to have earned that movie, mm-hmm. whether he ever directed mandalorian or not
2: right i mean taika already a big name and i mean let's not forget i mean he he had you know jojo rabbit was also huge yeah um uh, right. you know taika was he was the big get in season one like the fact that they got him to come direct an episode of a tv show was kind of a big deal mm-hmm. some of the rest of them it's like oh that makes sense like, I'm surprised, but that makes sense. Like, with him, you go, wow, that's, that's impressive that they got him. So, yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm really excited about the person because they, they didn't just give it to him like he's co-writing it, um, which I think he needed someone to co-write it with because I don't, I, don't need my, I don't need Star Wars to be quite as silly as Thor Ragnarok or Jojo Rabbit or anything else Taika does by mm-hmm. himself.
0: Well, right, and his even his episodes of Mandalorian though here I here I go. He doesn't need to, to prove it, but he did kind of show us Mandalorian. He can treat Star Wars the proper way, also. Right. That doesn't to silly. There is humor, as they even pointed out again in the Star uh, Disney Gallery the other night. There is humor in it but it doesn't make fun of itself. It still takes itself
2: seriously. Right, and I, I think you can do that. I mean, it's it's when you talk about, can a, you know, I know people get bent out of shape about comedy directors. You know, it's like, well, he's a comedy guy. He's a slapstick guy. Why is he doing Star Wars? And you go, not, well, I mean...
0: doesn't do that. Do what? Ragnarok doesn't do that either. There's humor in it, but again, it's not, it's still takes itself seriously. It, it still believes in does,
2: itself. It does, but there are some fairly silly moments in Ragnarok. But what Ragnarok does well is it's silly when it's silly, and when it needs to be serious, it's very serious. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: not going to lie to you. I would not mind seeing the type of humor in Ragnarok in a Star Wars movie at all. I wouldn't. Yeah,
1: I could do that fitting with certain, certain things. Probably the closest to that that we've gotten would be like a Solo, and that's not even that close, but mm-hmm. like... I'm saying like the closest would be a solo. And I really like solo. I did too. I definitely, it's a I great definitely movie. see that going. Yeah, speaking I, of the director, let's get let's get Ron speaking of the Howards, let's get Ron <laughs> Howard to make another Star Wars yeah. movie, please.
2: And I am and, I'm, and I'm not in? and I'm not saying that taika I have no problem. I'm actually really excited about the Taika Waititi Star Wars movie. But you mm-hmm. know, some people look at it and go, I just don't know, like what has he done? And I'm like, Todd Phillips just made the Joker. Yeah. Todd Phillips used to make like incredibly silly, goofy
0: movies. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: And he just made like Uh,
0: Hangover. One of the. Those those Hangover movies also are really good, but they're just. Well, he did, but I mean, like,
2: he also made like.
0: I don't think you need to to be making your point. Your point. I mean, you're. you're No, I guess I'm thinking about somebody else, but he
2: did make Starsky and Hutch and School for Scoundrels and Old School and Road Trip and Borat. Mm -hmm.
3: Borat, oh god!
0: Andrew, you were saying about Taika, about comedy directors can.
2: Oh, but I. What I'm really, I, you know, there are. There's plenty of room out there to look at a comedy director that can step up and make a serious movie. I mean, Edgar Wright, who has you know the the Cornetto trilogy, you know, with Simon Pegg and and Edgar mm-hmm. or in uh, Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baby Driver is. Is a serious heist film,
0: right? Mm-hmm. And to go back to Taika, Taika hasn't just made comedy. Tyco's made a lot of movie with, with heart. You know, I mean, that's it's true. Not yeah, just it's not slapstick.
2: Well, he like does. The,
0: the he, man knows how to tell a story.
2: He does. He does do some slapstick stuff too, though. But um, basically, I was kind of going around trying to get back to. What I am excited about, I'm excited that Taika making a movie, but I'm also really excited about uh, Christy Wilson Carnes coming on to help him write this, who's just yes. coming off 1917. Yes. Because that movie is amazing.
0: I also was very excited about that as well. I think that is, that's almost as big a get as getting Taika. To have people that creative involved in your franchise at all is Always a plus. So
1: So who's like, do we have like a dream like Star Wars director?
0: Oh, that's an excellent question. Honestly, we already got my dream Star Wars director because I had been saying for years, uh, Ron Howard. Mm -hmm. And we got him, we Mm -hmm. sort of got him for Solo. He finished, you know, Lord Miller's movie, but it's his movie. I mean, it's uh, Mm not what I like to see him. But I have loved to have seen him be able to take a saga movie from scratch. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna get that now. Saga's done. Um uh, but you know, give him another film, give him solo too, or give him just anything else. Let Ron Howard have another Star Wars movie. Absolutely. That was actually Ron Howard's the that best was, dude. Yeah. He he's he's my favorite director, and he really was I he really is, I think should be on your short list for for people you would consider perfect, quote unquote, for a Star Wars movie.
2: The the other person, other Ron Howard would be very, very high up my list, if not at the top. But Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright would be another person that's way up my list of people I want to see make a Star Wars movie.
1: I was thinking that, and I wasn't going to say that, but then I, I started just looking at the list of his movies. When and you, you know,
2: like, I don't when you start lo- when you the thing is when you start looking at the list of Edgar Wright's movies, if you're going to talk about not trilogies, but making what directors made the three made three incredibly good movies consecutively. He's got to be way right. up your list. He doesn't make a bad movie. He doesn't. And he doesn't make that many he, movies. He's very picky.
1: Yeah, he would probably make the most one of the most creative Star Wars movies we've ever seen. For sure. I'm,
2: well, and he's largely responsible for Ant-Man being what Ant-Man is.
3: Do you think uh, he'll ever get we, hired to do Star Wars since he didn't get on with Marvel?
2: You know, it's different nope. different heads. I don't know if it would matter. And it's a lot later. And we don't really know nope. what the difference of opinion was that got him pushed off Ant-Man. Because largely what Ant-Man is, is still his project. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
3: nope. <laughs> Daniel thinks nope.
0: Nope. It's not going to happen. He's and not because of any kind of beef Disney may have with him because we're having a Marvel, but simply because I just don't think that's his thing. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, don't. no,
2: Edgar Wright has absolutely said he would love to make a Star Wars movie. He just didn't think he, he, he didn't expect that, to get that phone call.
0: Right, but it is the dealing with the dealing with the amount of control you have to the amount of collaboration, I guess, is what I'm looking for. You have to give a large studio on a large property like that. I just don't think Edgar wants to do it. I think that was part of the problem with him trying to make Ant Man. As much as he wanted to make that movie, it was his proof of concept that convinced that convinced Disney to make that movie in the first place. Um, when it came time to make it, he—I don't think he was enjoying himself. Like I don't—I just don't think that's his thing. I don't think he's ever going to do it. I don't think we'll ever see him take on a big, try to take on a big property, or big franchise ever again. He's going to continue to do his own thing. and and make the movies he wants to make, and we'll continue enjoying them. I don't think we'll see him make a Star Wars or a Marvel film or a DC film or a Star Trek film. He's just not going to... It's not his thing. He's not going to do it, which is fine. Which is fine. I also hope Josh Trank never tries again, (laughs) (laughs) because... You know what I mean? No, I would much rather see Josh Trank make 25 Chronicles than one Fantastic Four.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know who'd be perfect for Star Wars? Zack Snyder. Really? I'm joking. You know what?
0: I'm a Zack Snyder fan. I'm not even going to agree to that one because that. I'm isn't joking.
1: Better. You know I'm joking.
0: <laughs> Zack Snyder's most critically panned film, Sucker Punch. I even like Sucker Punch. <laughs> I'm a Zack Snyder fan. I will tell you right now, keep that man as far away from Star Wars as possible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we actually are, have we not said the obvious one? Let's give John Favreau a movie. Like
2: I, I think on. I think that you would have already gotten that if he wasn't already spending so much time on the Mandalorian because they're already gearing up to shoot season three.
1: You're right. You know, I bet that he probably had. I bet if he wanted to,
0: he could have done a film.
2: He could have, probably. And I guarantee you, at some point, when The Mandalorian runs its course, his
0: Mandalorian, I bet you his Mandalorian script was pitched as a film.
2: But when The Mandalorian runs its course, John Favreau is going to make a Star Wars movie.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if we find out during this documentary series that we've been talking about that he didn't. Originally, pitch what became the Mandalorian as a film,
1: and if he did, I would truly think that it would have been his choice to make it a show instead, because he would have realized that uh, the story he wanted they,
0: to tell. I think they probably strongly suggested to him, "Hey, why don't we do a TV show?"
3: Yeah,
0: you know what I mean. And maybe if, that.
3: that that's and just, not my,
0: it, my theory. So is us just imagine. Let's imagine this conversation, okay. Here's John Favreau. Hey, I've got this script. I, actually, I wrote a Boba Fett film, and even if you don't want it to be a Boba Fett film, it can still be about this other, about this Mandalorian guy. And here's this script. And well, we really like the script. We sort of already have a Boba Fett thing in production. Hey, John, you want to make it a TV series? Well, no, John. Seriously, we need a good TV series. Well, I don't, John. Please make this a TV series. That's the freaking conversation that happened. I bet you.
1: No, I disagree. I bet the conversation is, hey, so I got this story, but it's not going to fit in two hours, so maybe we should make it an eight-hour... No, John, why don't you make a movie and make us a million dollars from a movie? <laughs> no, but I really want to tell this story, and it's going to take eight episodes... It's going to take more episodes than just like a two-hour movie. No, John, make us millions of dollars on a movie. <laughs> no, but I want to tell a long hey, story that's really thought out.
0: That You're wrong, because if you take episodes four, five, and six out of that series you've got a movie they added 3 episodes to get filler to make it a damn TV series it started out being pitched as a movie
1: just to clarify this is just your theory yes you yes. didn't like okay i just don't want like it to be like a fact that i'm just dumb and this is said somewhere and i didn't realize this
0: no but we'll, we'll watch us watch us find out
1: okay okay we can bet All right, Okay, okay do I it. bet that it was a uh, John Favreau wanted to do this show show.
0: I, will tell, you, I show. will tell you this. I will tell you this just to clarify and to put a little, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking Astrid? for? A little, a little disclaimer in it. Favreau did say somewhere he started out writing a Boba Fett script and that's what evolved into Mandalorian. But I'm taking oh. it a step farther and telling you, I bet you he pitched this as a movie. And the converse, the hypothetical the conversation, the hypothetical conversation that I just played out, I bet you it was pretty close to the truth. Just my own speculation.
3: At some point, when we find out, somebody will get to say, "I told you so," and we'll have bragging rights.
1: Great. <laughs> or maybe we'll never find out. We'll just argue about it for eternity.
3: <laughs> or that. So
0: anyway, and that's all we've got uh, for this episode. So until next time, where can people find you on the internet, Marisha?
3: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My website is princessesandpadawans.com. And I'm on Instagram as princesses underscore and underscore Padawans, ppadawans on Twitter and um, princesses and Padawans on Facebook. So that's me and my Padawans wearing cute costumes and talking about nerdy things.
0: And Andrew? All
2: right, you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Cy underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at thesciencefictionary at gmail.com. You can find me at thesciencefictionary.com, and you can find me hosting our other show, Coruscant Radio Underground.
0: And
1: David? You guys can find me on Twitter at stay underscore creative dd. Or you guys can find me over on my YouTube channel, which is Creative D&D, where I do podcasts about all sorts of things, nerdy, just like we would do here.
0: All right, and I am Dan C. Peeps on Twitter, and we'll see you next time.